out there, we're on the air, it's hockey night tonight. Tension grows, the whistle blows, and the puck goes down the ice. The goalie jumps and the players bump and the fans all go insane. Someone roars, Bobby's From Theo Fleury's new album. <laughs> Welcome back to the Gentleman's Dojo, everybody. I am one of your hosts from Detroit, Michigan. One of the teams that did not make it into the Stanley Cup Finals. I am Gary Cannon. And to my right, somebody's team who did in fact make it into the Finals and as of Sunday night, become the new champions of the yes. Hockey World 2016. It is Steve Byrne, everybody. Oh, couldn't be happier. Yes, indeed. Could not be happier. Where were you watching the game last night? At home. Yeah, yeah, yeah? Yeah. I even saw that your wife was posting pictures of you jumping around, dancing, going crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, she, yeah, I drag her into it. She's watching it with me, but couldn't be happier. Huge Pens fan and just, uh, oh, God, they really deserved it this year. They outplayed the Sharks. They Sharks look awesome. good, though, going into the game. Going into the yes. series, yeah. Everybody picked the Sharks. Yeah. Everybody picked them in five, six, seven. Nobody gave the Pens a chance. And uh, lo and behold, we did it in six, and we killed them. Puck possession, shots on goal. It was unbelievable. You you would rather watch the game at home rather than find like a little bar in town that Yeah, I all... hate I don't like sitting in a bar with really? other people. I want to sit there, I want the stats, I want to hear the information, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to hear the replays. I like I like during intermission hearing uh all the different commentators pontificate on what they thought went right or went wrong. So, uh, yeah, I totally You don't invite right. totally people good. over? You just want to be in your own I want to be by myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even if I went to a game, my dream would be to sit there and have headphones in and yeah. listen to the live broadcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was close to going to the San Jose uh, game yeah. yesterday. I, I talked to uh, the guys over at the San Jose Improv and... Asked if they had some hookups oh. and was working on it for me and then was going to get me a room at the Fairmont and everything. And it just uh, it just didn't work out. I didn't feel like spending $1,200. Is that what <laughs> tickets were? Is what it, well, yeah, on StubHub, that's what it was going for. Actually, and, I don't think that that's a bad price. Well, I don't want to sit up in the bleachers. I want right. If I go, I want to be down there. But it was like, yeah, I'd rather just be home. A buddy, <laughs> a buddy of mine who's a big Pittsburgh Penguins fan, he went to one of the games in San Jose. Yep. Literally before the game, he posted his ticket on Facebook. He said, I'm so excited going to the game in San Jose. Yeah. Really, really excited. <laughs> I literally was going to write him on Facebook. I was going to say, hey, that ticket looks fake. Never wrote it. Literally six no. hours later, the ticket was fake. He walked up to the box office, walked up where oh. they scanned your ticket. They said it was fake. It looked it looked exactly like a How ticket you would see. How much did you spend see. on it? 300, 300, 400. And he's out three or 400 bucks. Yep. Oh, that sucks. Yep. And not only that, but you're paying for the travel to go up to San Jose. You got a hotel. Yeah. And just out, out the money. The, the ticket looked that legitimate. I mean, it said Ticketmaster had all the barcoding on it, flipped it over, had everything that you could. Oh, it was bust. an actual ticket. It wasn't even like the computer no, printed. No, like... no, no, no. It was an actual ticket ticket, wow. which is rare. I mean, you really yeah. don't see those anymore. It was an actual take. Could you imagine the feeling? You're so excited. You're this close to walking in, and then all of a sudden they tell you that ticket's no good. I'm sure that they probably deal with that all the time. All don't the you time, think? yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially now because there's just so many ways to manipulate those tickets. Yeah. I don't know. But, yeah, I, I, I didn't know if you were watching it with people, by yourself. I know that you like a room just empty, which is – Let's talk about Jacksonville this past weekend where you were. You don't, you don't like to be surrounded up, by other people. Would you shut uh, up? We, we've done that room a bunch of times. That's where you were. But game game five was on 
while you were performing, right? Friday night? Friday night I was performing. Thursday night. Yeah, Thursday. Yeah, Thursday night. Thursday That's right. night. Yeah, that was that was heartbreaking. I got to see the third period, which was great. But I got to see him win it. Yeah, couldn't yeah. Couldn't be couldn't be happier. And look, you've you've been there before. I mean, you're from Detroit. You saw that your Pistons won. You yeah, yeah. saw I mean, obviously the Lions are they might as well move to Cleveland. It's crazy because uh, I said the story before. You and I were in Pittsburgh over New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. We went to that game December the 30th. Yep. And I can't believe six months later they were still playing. Absolutely crazy. Yeah. That the hockey season, which had started even before that, started in, what, October? What does it start? October? Yeah, it starts October. Just October, crazy. Yeah. And you obviously have the NHL ticket. You buy that little plan through DirecTV and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The little, no, there was... <laughs> the little plan. By the way, I, I, I by the way, that leads into our guest who we're waiting on for our call. Yeah. By the You've way, we want to thank the pleasure of meeting him, right? Yes. You met him in Chicago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, when we were there in 2013, mm-hmm. we were there doing the Chicago Just for Laughs festival through TBS. Yep. He was part of it and that was the year uh the Chicago Blackhawks won. Yep. With Bolin scoring the winning goal. Yeah. We all went out to dinner between, I think it was game like three and four or four and five. So one of those, yeah. Yeah, when we were in Chicago playing that uh, festival. He was with us. Yeah. It's crazy. We're doing two back-to-back hockey shows. I feel like the Frazier Smith puck off show. <laughs> <laughs> Except well, funny. Well, we're doing wait, this, wait. I think, because, <laughs> because um, you know, look, Theo was amazing. What a great I, – I mean, look, we've done – Almost, almost fifty of these. Can now? you believe this? By the way, I was going to mention this. This is we're almost into fifty. Yeah, which means we've been doing. Yeah, we do one a week. Maybe sometimes we double up. We don't want to let people in on the secret, but mm-hmm. sometimes we tape two in a day, right? Yeah. But I mean, we've been doing this for a little while, and you and I talked about this. Considering our fiftieth episode is coming up, maybe a little special guest for number five zero. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. We'll see. That'd about be great. That. Yeah. That'd be great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and but I would Theo's say of the was... fifty. That we've had, yeah. most of the guests that I have produced have been better than the ones you produced. I mean, you always get like Owen and Roy and all those guys, yeah. easy gets. Mm-hmm. Ryan Dalton, that was your get, awful guest. Gareth Reynolds. <laughs> awful. What are you talking about awful? Dalton was great. nothing. Yeah. He's great. In a couple of weeks, I got Brian Regan calling in. He's yeah. a mastermind. He's great. We got the toy guy calling in from Pawn Stars. Great. Yeah. One of the social media experts from Tinder, my guest. Yeah. We who had do, uh who do you got calling in? Well who do I have calling in? <laughs> we had Gene Kelly's wife here a few weeks ago. I don't think I was here for that one. Oh, shut the <laughs> fuck up. And then, but Theo Fleury's was one of my favorites. Yeah, that yeah, was yeah. not only awesome to talk to just a legend, but then also hear what happens post career. Yeah. And that's actually what we're gonna be talking about today with Daniel, because Daniel Carcillo, as anybody knows, he's one of those great Agitators on the ice, um, phenomenal player, but also is doing something incredibly noble and meaningful for all the players that are playing right. now and moving forward in their careers. It's crazy, too, because you didn't get a chance to see Theo's movie, unfortunately, when he was in town last week promoting it. But I think we have a link, right, that we can actually watch it because I really want to see the movie that he was here to promote, which was crazy. I mean, he was at Man's Chinese Theater showing that movie which was absolutely awesome. So yeah, I want to see that. Well, we will watch that and we should we should do like a recap even with him with, with you know even Mike the director we could talk oh, yeah, about yeah, yeah. We could discuss it. Well, yeah. because obviously this summer is their big walk, so yeah. they're doing that. And and by the way, we should gloat a little bit because that Theo Flurry podcast mm-hmm. was one of our highest rated episodes. Yeah. That's pretty and cool. And it's only it I think it's it's been well, has it been a week? Yeah. Oh, it's been a week. Yeah, we okay, posted yeah. it up right away. Yeah. 
And I will say, Ryan Dalton, we had negative listeners. I don't even know that's possible. People returned to listens, <laughs> Gary. Shut the fuck up. People were rewinding it. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I was I was back home in Michigan over the weekend for uh, uh, some graduation parties, and and I I played my mom's podcast when she called in. Yeah. Not when she was here, but when she called in, and she just loved standing around the computer, just listening to it, smiling. What's well, funny because most people when they go back home, they'll watch like an episode of uh, a Tonight Show that they did with their family yeah. or you know an appearance on TV or sure. whatever but you you go back and I play listen to your old podcasts, podcasts. Mm-hmm. yeah it's all we have we don't have TV it's all you have <laughs> but my mom all what are you she, working on right all now she, what is it about why can I ask you what are you working wow, on right now wow that just came what, from a place what of are evil. you working what, what are you talking evil? about what we're you? comedians right I'm a what comedian am I working you're on? I don't know what you call yourself but what are you working on currently? Uh, well I'm very busy I have a full time job yeah I'm a full time job. Lot. I do too. I'm a comedian. I'm a full time. That's a full time job. Jacksonville your... five shows. Yeah. Most it's... of which were empty. It's working the road. <laughs> what are you talking about? It's working the road. Who doesn't mind flying 2,500 miles to make 300 bucks? Okay. <laughs> true or not true? Oh, shut up. Let me just say this. I wanted to finish not something, true. then you just turned the corner. What are you on working on? Evil. Okay, what's the matter? It. All right, we got to go. Uh, <laughs> we'll we'll get story? to what you're working on later. <laughs> you're not working on anything, Gary. So rude. You're the worst. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, yes. welcome to the show. Incredible NHL player, newly retired, friend of ours who came out to the last time we saw him was the hour taping and couldn't be happier to have him. Yeah, he came out. uh, Look, this guy's Phoenix Coyote, Philly Flyer, Chicago Blackhawk, L.A. King, New York Ranger, and retired as a Chicago Blackhawk. Everybody, Daniel Carcillo. There he is. There he is. Thanks, Daniel, for joining us, bud. Hi. Keep going, Steve. You're Keep... just stroking that ego. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How you doing, bud? I'm good, man. How are you guys doing? Good, We're good. Uh, Got to ask you, the NHL Finals, how did you feel? Uh, this your first year, I guess, as a spectator. What did you take away from uh, from the finals watching? Uh, yeah, it was, I mean, last night, last night watching them celebrate and, and uh, actually achieve their their season-long goal and I mean a lot of lifelong goals I think uh, I think I heard Doc say that only six of them had won previously so um, it always amazes me watching the game and gives me chills still being in that situation twice and and uh, a few other situations where we fell short um, you know the emotional commitment and just how it turns grown men into little boys immediately <laughs> it's uh, it's it's amazing to watch Daniel where do you watch the game you watch it at home with some buddies you watch it by yourself do you go to a uh, a watering hole. What do you do? <laughs> well, I was actually at a birthday party, a first birthday party for a good friend, and uh, and then I was in a meeting for um, with Chapter Five and just uh, and getting the lay of the land in the nonprofit world. And so I only caught I think the last four minutes of of the game. But um, but yeah, I mean it's you know I'm a, I'm still I'm still a fan, and there was a point in my transition where I didn't turn on a game for a good eight months, but, uh, but now it's, it's a little different. It's just fun to see, um, to see the guys who I still have some relationships with and and it's, you know, you, you just want to kind of support them and, and, uh, it's cool to see them, um, go through that transformation and, and really just to see the looks on their faces when they scored that third goal and and to know that they sealed it up was, it's, it's awesome to see. But nobody knows better than you what those guys were feeling. Can you just describe the elation you have surrounded by loved ones? You're there with guys that you 
went through a tumultuous season with, and you get to lift the cup. I mean, you're one of those few guys that you you have your name on the Stanley Cup. And what is that feeling rushing through you when you pick it up and you're circling the ice? Uh, there's a lot of different emotions. And, um, I mean, one is just it brings you back to, you know, when you're playing street hockey with your friends and or you're playing on the backyard rink and you're thinking about – you know, you put yourself in that game six, game seven situation <laughs> and you're scoring the overtime goal. You know, it's uh, it just makes you um, makes you feel a whole lot of different emotions as far as happiness, joy, the sacrifice that you made. Um, you know that your friends and family are in the stands because there's a if there's a chance to clinch, usually you try and get your family down there and the Chicago Blackhawks were amazing with that as far as helping us set it up and, and literally charting chartering a plane for our families from Chicago to get down to Boston the first wow. time that we won. And um, yeah, they were pretty amazing to have my brothers there on the ice with me afterwards. It was it's an indescribable feeling to know that you're supported by loved ones and, and um, to be able to raise that cup. And, and uh, I mean, I was more happy for the guys, because to be honest, you know, I, I, even though I say I didn't have a big role, I know I did. Um, I wasn't necessarily playing every game, but in the room, there's role players that have to keep everything positive and light and make right. the playlists and, and do that sort of thing. And, and uh, <laughs> that was one of my big things is I, you know, it's, it might sound weird, but I didn't necessarily, I wasn't infatuated with the actual game. What I was infatuated with was the connections that I made to people and to guys and to people in management and everybody just working towards the common goal of winning that Stanley Cup and everybody in the front office, everybody behind the bench, everybody in the room, from the trainers to um, the equipment guys to the role players to the superstars, everybody has a role in that. And I'm a true believer in that if you remove one of those pieces of the puzzle, you might not achieve that goal. Right. Um, so it's, yeah, it's just, it's pretty amazing to think about um, and reflect on the times that we won because I, you know, in transition and in retirement, there's a lot of reflecting that goes on. And um, it's, I'm just astounded and I'm, I feel very blessed, um, you know, to be in the position that I am today to hopefully, um, to hopefully help guys moving forward in transition, but as well, just reflect on the relationships that I made with certain people in the league. And even though sometimes you think of them as, 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 you know, work relationships, they're really, you know, deep connections that, um, you know, athletes just love to be around other athletes and love to, relive those moments in those glory days yeah we definitely want to get into the foundation and what you're currently doing now uh i I just want to ask you one or two quick questions before we definitely get into that um you bet on both sides of obviously winning it all and then on the other side when your team did not advance how tough is it to do the handshake when you're losing i mean are, is it is it bygones or bygones, your professionals, or is there still some animosity you feel when you got to shake somebody's hand Especially and you know you don't want to do it? Especially on your home ice. On your home, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, so we're men, and I think men um, can move on and congratulate and appreciate being defeated. And um, there's not much – ego that goes into it when you're 
when you get to the end result and when you get to the end, like the San Jose Sharks last night, you see the look on some of those guys' faces. And it's it's initially dejecting, but um, there's no ill wishes towards anybody. There's, there's none of that thought process. There's just uh, an overwhelming feeling of, um, you know, kind of a sense of, um, for me, it was a sense of sort of relief. Um, and in 2010, when we, when we lost, uh, I was with the Philadelphia Flyers and we lost to Chicago, it was hard. You yeah. know? And I felt, I felt for the guys more who, um, who were really, 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 I mean, I was very close to it and very entrenched in the guys and in the feelings. And I would take some of those on and ride that roller coaster with them on a day to day, on a game to game basis. Um, and it's, it becomes, it becomes difficult and it becomes part of you. And it's something that never really leaves you. And just in watching both the Pittsburgh Penguins raise the cup and then it would pan to Patrick Marlowe's face. And, um, I mean, I almost cried when I saw like Pascal Dupuis raising it, you know, because yeah. of the struggles and, and what I know he's been through. And you could see the look on his face, man. That's, that's the last time he's going to be on skate around his team around his teammates and he finally although he wasn't on the ice i know for a fact that he helped them win that cup and and i mean there's been so many um there's been so many examples of that through journeys that i've had with different teams like with the new york rangers and what we had to go through with marty st louis mm-hmm. and um and the passing of one of his family members we were all there we went there we flew um, we were actually playing Montreal. I don't even know how that all worked out, but it did. And we were all able to be there for him and for his family and support him in that church. And when he had to deliver the eulogy and uh, that's what hockey's about to me. It's about that support network and being there for your teammates and, and catching them when, um, when they're going through a difficult time. Yeah. It, it just, you know, when you see those guys raise the cup, that's when you realize it is more than a game. It, it, it is a game for us as spectators and as viewers and as fans. But, you know, when you bring up Pascal Dupuis raising it or Trevor Daly breaking his ankle uh, going into the finals and he didn't get the opportunity to skate. And after, you know, so many hundreds of games, Crosby gives it to him first and so on and so forth. You realize that there's all these storylines. There's there's people that are being affected personally. And, you know, there's that triumph at the end. But you you were on both sides. Can you just describe me being from Pittsburgh, obviously a big Penguins fan. What is <laughs> Can you describe the oh, Penguins, really? <laughs> the Penguins Philadelphia Flyers rivalry and how tumultuous that was, especially the, the, you guys prevented the Pens from repeating and uh it was a crazy series, but just regular season, that is to me the Red Sox Yankees rivalry of the NHL. It just I mean, I know there's Boston Montreal, but for me because I'm from Pitt, what is it like hitting the ice and knowing that those two teams they it seems like they genuinely do not like each other. Is that true? There's a lot of disdain um, because you see those guys so often during the year. And mm-hmm. obviously it's that kind of tri-state um, PA rivalry. Um, it's, it's different. There's a different level when you go into a game and you know that there's so many people invested emotionally, 
in the outcome, mm-hmm. um, both from Pittsburgh and from Philly. Some of those fans in Pittsburgh that I remember, that Hulk Hogan-looking fan, uh, who's, <laughs> always right, all yeah. over, who's always all over Hartnell. I mean, they're just so passionate. And when, for me, and I think it's the same for other guys, when you know that there's a grander stage, that more people are watching, that, um, you know, it is the Stanley Cup Finals, you just bring, you elevate, um, your game to another level and there's just a, a bigger level of care and uh, more attention and focus that goes into each and every game. And that's no different, I think, for Philly and Pittsburgh when they do meet in the regular season. It does look like a playoff game. It feels like a playoff game every time they meet, whether it's in Philly or in Pittsburgh, because both cities are so emotionally invested in the outcome. Yeah, and your style of play, how would you describe your style of play? Huh. Um, I was, so I tried to be the most complete player I could. I, I may have gotten pigeonholed into a role when I was early on in my career of being a fighter, mm-hmm. being a, that role player, but I always tried to pride myself on um on being a the most complete player I could and chipping in offensively as well as one of the big things that I've realized about myself in transition and who I am as a person and in doing the self-assessment and who I am away from the, from the sport. And I've always been this way. Um, I like to protect people and I like to empower people and I like to know that I can offer my experience and hopefully that can help other guys through tough situations. Right. Um, and it was no different when I saw a teammate getting taken advantage of on the ice. I felt, even though it was at a detriment to myself, that I needed to do something to make those guys feel comfortable enough to be able to play the game because there were skilled, more skilled guys out there than I was. And I could accept that. I can, I can accept that they were better than me and that they should be on the ice in the last minute trying to tie the game up. And But I knew my role. And I think acceptance is a big piece to why in my last five years of my career, I went to the Stanley cup finals with three different teams, um, you know, for four years, you know, almost in a row. And that doesn't happen. Some guys don't even make playoffs um, in their whole career. Don't, they can't get to the finals. And so I think I realized and I accepted my role and that's kind of why teams sought me out. And I like to think I was good in the room and that I really just, I, I just cared a lot about who the guys were and who I was battling with each and every year, each and every day. And I kind of take that on. Um, and it's no different than what I'm you know, trying to do in retirement as well. It's just giving these guys this information and education to, empower them to be free thinkers and ask questions and really take care of themselves while they're in their career so that when they leave their career, um, you know, there's a resource network that I'm building that will help catch them. Well, I, I, I think that's an amazing analogy yeah. that you that you bring up. And, you know, to, to go from that transition, I just, when I think of you, I could think of you beating up Max Talbot and then his, him shushing the crowd. But it's like, <laughs> Max, you just got your ass kicked. And I understand it's like a spark plug for the pens and it it, it seemingly worked, but you, you beat him up. But when I think of you personally, I think of you on the cover Sports Illustrated, scoring that goal, sliding on your knees. And that's the way I, I remember you as a player. But now after having gotten to know you, you are – 
you were somebody who would protect your teammates, but now you're protecting literally the league because of what you're doing with the Chapter 5 Foundation. So I know it was sparked because of Monty, Steve Montador, who was your teammate in Chicago. I, I had the pleasure of getting to hang out with him a few times. I actually brought him up at the Improv in Hollywood. I don't know if I even told you this, but he came do- down to the Hollywood Improv one night, and we were improv and he came up on stage, and we interviewed him, and we had a blast, and he couldn't have been a nicer guy. Could you explain to us your relationship with Monty and then the the uh, the osmosis of the Chapter 5 Foundation? So I guess uh, the basis of what I believe uh, is the key to transition is self-assessment and self-awareness. And I don't necessarily like to say spirituality because that freaks guys out, and it freaks guys out when you talk about transition right away. But what Steve helped me realize and our relationship and our friendship was based off of just pure honesty and really leaning on each other in tough times. I mean, he helped me um, discover who I was uh, as a person away from the away from the sport, what I was interested in. He showed me things. I mean, I love learning from people who know more than me and I love perspective and different perspectives and that's something that Steve brought into my life was not only helping me to feel safe and comfortable living the sort of this sort of new life um, away from bad influences, but in doing that, I needed to um, discover who I was, and Steve just helped me do that. And I think that's why, um, to this day, I can still feel him. You know, sometimes riding shotgun with me when I'm you know, racing around trying to do all these things. And I sometimes get overwhelmed because there's a lot of, I don't know in, in what I'm doing, but he helped me get to that place of self-confidence and self-belief and faith that what I'm doing is important and there's a void. And I'm just trying to fill that. It's not about good and bad and wrong and right. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's just, it's just about creating a net that's going to help, catch guys when they need the help and some guys might not um, need the help and some guys it's 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 more drastic than others but there's been an overwhelming sense of I had to do something I had to continue his legacy and I don't want my legacy to be you know somebody remembering me beating up Max Talbot and then the Pittsburgh Penguins coming back and scoring three goals to tie and then eventually win that game and uh, you know I don't I don't want my legacy to be me beating people up on YouTube. I want my legacy to, to be firmly rooted in that. I care that I care about the guys and that I genuinely care about the relationships and connections that I made. And I do not want them to go through that mental anguish and experience that mental hell that I had to go through alone and not knowing who to call, nobody calling me. The only call I got was from an insurance company telling me I had to declare whether I wanted my insurance and I had 18 months to do so. And I am a firm believer in um, the the amount of self-sacrifice that we've given to this sport. I mean, I moved away at 16 and we're not you know, we're not in the real world. That's the, the sport world, the athletic world. Everything is done for you. You get a schedule at the beginning of the year telling you your days off, telling you where you have to be on certain days. You walk into the rink at 9 a.m. There's an omelet maker there. You write down what you want. 
on your omelet. You go take a shower at 9.15, you come back out, you uh, you get your omelet, you eat it, you're in the room at 9.30 for a meeting. At 9.45, you're stretching. At uh, 10 o'clock, you're back in the room. I throw on a playlist. We're all joking around, getting ready. Not, you know, 10.20, you're on the ice. 10.30, practice starts. 11.30, practice is done. 12 o'clock, there's lunch. And then on any given day, you're either going to an airport or um, and flying to another city. But I guess what I'm trying to get at is there's structure and um, there's time, you know, everything is done for you. And when you get out of the league, you really do feel lonely and alone and that support system is gone. And that's the biggest thing that I missed was being able to go into the room and vent about certain things and laugh and really get that, that release. And uh, if you don't have your, your kind of your stuff together if you don't know how to make a schedule and time management, if you don't know how to build a resume for your second career, um, where do you turn? Like what life skills do we have? You know? And so it's about empowering guys to think about, think forward, um, think about who you are away from the sport, what your interests are, what's going to bring you purpose and joy, what's going to help you get out of bed and not think, and not sit in that victim mentality and sleep in because you don't want to experience the feelings of losing your identity and not knowing who you are and not knowing who to reach out to. And it wasn't the league that helped me. It wasn't even the NHLPA who I paid thousands and thousands of dollars to in dues. It was the connections that I made with these corporate guys and with these companies. They're the ones who reached out and helped me. Mm -hmm. They're the ones who, uh, you know, um, I did a couple appearances for Joe Masterelli at at Jeep, and he gave me a car for the year to drive around. And so, I mean, they're the ones who help alleviate that stress and anxiety period. So stressing the importance of making connections and building your personal brand while you're in the league, because... Mm -hmm. The cold reality is, uh, you know, if you don't have that jersey on your back, it gets a lot more difficult. So just getting these guys to think about, to think forward and to think um, about when they're done, even though it's a hard and stressful thing to do, um, you know, it's just, it's important. And, And you need to offer your story kind of in a transparent way. And that's why I've been doing, you know, the Players' Tribune videos, just to show guys that, um, you know, it wasn't easy for me and I just don't want others to experience that stress, anxiety and, and depression period that I went through. And what, what has been the reaction amongst players that are coming out of the league that, uh, that you've heard from? I, I assume it is, it must be pretty positive, right? It is positive And it's also overwhelming because I mean, I have, you know, I've received over three to 400 emails in the last five days since that Players' Tribune came out, the Players' Tribune video, um, you know, there's been almost 125,000 views on the Players' Tribune. So it's a really, it's a hot-button issue, and it ties into a lot of things. It it ties into getting to know who you are, but it also ties into treatment, and guys are going to experience things um, going on in their body. Like, I literally, just before I got on this phone call, I sat down with, with somebody um, from advanced physicians in Illinois and we went through and did a diagnostics report on my body mm-hmm. and just to kind of get a handle on the state of my body. 
and and what kind of um, PT and stuff I need to do to feel somewhat normal. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we touched upon we're a consumable product. This is the way I think of it. We're you know, hockey guys are consumable products. And you, Steve, like you enjoy watching. You're so entrenched emotionally in Pittsburgh's run, right. and you won, and you feel like you won, right? <laughs> right. Um, but what happens when? one of those guys retire, you're still consuming that product. But what happens is you forget about the guy who moved on Mm -hmm. because he's not in front of you. He's not on that TV, but he was a part of this Stanley cup winning team. But in reality, in eight years, he's not going to be in the league anymore. Right. So like, what about him, you know, and, and, and the happiness that he brought you and, um, you know, getting you, out of maybe the day-to-day grind of real life, you know, you were able to provide that sort of entertainment. But in doing that, I believe it's always the players who kind of catch the players when that coach kind of comes in the room and he's yelling and da-da-da and he leaves the room. <laughs> All the guys always look at each other and say, you know, in, in, a, nice, in a nice way, um, <laughs> don't worry about him. It's about us. It's about these 22 guys in the room and, you know, we're here for each other. And so that's kind of the basis of chapter five. It's players right. helping players. And it's, it's, it's just creating that resource network of, you know, trusted advocates and, and helping each other. That's all it is, you know, moving forward, just helping the next guy next to you and, and being of service and what better way to live your life and to wake up every day um, you know, feeling that you're making a difference in other people's lives, you know, yeah. and, 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 and especially after what happened with Steve, you know, if I can think that offering my story will help maybe bring a guy out and ask for help and save his life. I mean, that's, that's, it makes me, you know, gives me chills just thinking about it. And as chapter five, I assume because you, you could have played a few more years, but you chose to retire. I assume you did that for your own health. Is that correct? Or you just you... um yeah i mean i don't know if i had another year in me yeah you know um that lifestyle and that emotional roller coaster and not a lot of guys have to have to have to live it but after i had my son um and knowing the father that i want to be and the husband that i want to be i i don't know how guys do it you know i don't know how guys are away from their families for you know, six months of the year and, mm-hmm. and they can deal with it. I didn't do very well. Um, you know, being in that last year and I'm sure it had something to do with the three deaths that I experienced during the year and, and having those major life changes and then experiencing that concussion in April and, um, experiencing how long those symptoms lasted. I'm 31 years old and everybody may think that that's, you know, relatively young. Um, but I knew in my heart of hearts that I was spiritually mentally drained Mm -hmm. and that I needed a change. And now it's not just me that I needed to change for. It's my young son He's 18 months and it's, it's my wife. And, and there's a lot of other people relying on me. So to keep pushing on another year, um, you know, for another contract. And yeah, I would have loved to be around the guys again, but the actual game, I was, I was spent. I didn't have any more to give. 
Well, I do want to ask you, as we near the finish line, with Chapter 5, where can people find information on Chapter 5? And, and So we have a website. On, yeah, go ahead. Just, just, yeah, in terms of finding out more information and helping to contribute or do anything that we can to help you guys out as well. So I just recently, the last two or three weeks, I've been running around trying to nail down this tech thing, right? And like I mentioned before, there's a lot of I don't know, but... Um, you know, I think we, we have a really, really great website up and, um, right now it's, there's the mission statement, the about us, there's a few trusted advocates, but we were just daily, I'm daily on there building, building it and making the connections with people that I can trust and businesses I can trust. And, um, we're at www.chapter5foundation.com. You can reach me at Daniel at chapter5foundation.com. Um, and we're really just right now we're creating that social network and, and I'm blogging and just kind of giving the public and other guys a, a little bit of an insight into the athletic mindset and into what goes into creating that consumable product that everybody loves so much. Right. And, um, it's just, uh, it's an information education and it will grow into services. It will grow into specific services that we can help align people with. And even though you can't see it necessarily on the website right now, I am emailing back and we do have partnerships in place where we can, where we can help and we can send people and we're just, we're building the links to um, what is going to be our internal and bare bones program as far as the time management sheets, the uh, business advocates, the business mentors, the athletic mentors, um, you know, the resume building, everything that kind of goes into uh, one of the big pieces is the wives and, and creating a support network for them to just be able to come and vent and just and talk about what's going on because, um, you know, they're um, their man is going to go through a, a difficult time. And so they need an outlet as well. And my wife is, is adamant about helping create that support network for them. And so there's a lot, a lot of pieces that go into it and it's still uh, somewhat in its infancy, but um, it's building every day. And uh, it's kind of like easy does it, you know, uh, we we're, we're raising awareness for this subject, which is a hot button subject. And, and we have the concussion pieces. I have the information to help guys deal with their injuries and get them to the right people uh, as far as concussions and physical therapy goes. And so now it's just about branching out into each state and um, getting that mental health piece and getting the self-assessment piece in place. And uh, and we're doing it, you know, and 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 it's um, I'm not trying to push the river with anything, because when you force stuff, it's just uh it doesn't work. And, um, you know, doing stuff like this, I appreciate you guys asking me to come on and being able to speak about it because, um, we're just kind of charging forward with raising the awareness and, and getting, um, you know, getting support from also the public and, and as well as other guys to kind of step forward and have the confidence to say, Hey, you know, this, maybe that kind of program can help me and putting their pride aside and asking for the help that they need and deserve. Yeah, you know, it's amazing because I 
I would suggest to everybody, watch, go to the Players' Tribune, watch your video, l- read the piece that you wrote about Steve Monador. It, it's really, really revealing and personal, and thank you for opening up and sharing that with the general public and hockey fans like myself. And when I hear and learn more about Chapter 5, to me it's almost like something you would see on Shark Tank, one of those great pieces or business ventures where you go, how come nobody's done right. this yet? And you think of all of our heroes and the people we cheer for and the jerseys we buy, and there doesn't seem to be that one vehicle that to help with our heroes making the transition from being in the spotlight to being kind of like normal public life. And I, I think it's incredibly noble that you're doing it. I, I, I'm just, I'm shocked. Like, to me, I'm just like, I'm a big fan of yours personally, but then also a big fan of Chapter 5 and what you guys are doing. So thank you so much for even taking the time to spend with us and be revealing and open up. And I wish you all the best of luck. And Gary and I are here. And if you ever want to do a comedy show, we're there oh, in a we'd heartbeat. Love we'd love to do it. We'll get some other guys that are big hockey fans that are comics, and we'll we'll do what we can to uh, raise awareness. Yeah, we should plan that. I know we've been talking about that, and I think it ties in nicely with just kind of getting that um, – getting you out of your own head, you yeah. know, and even though it might be a difficult time, um, yeah, man, let's definitely explore that. And we'll definitely, we'll definitely do it because, uh, I can remember vividly the first time I saw you, Steve, uh, perform was at that golf tournament. Oh God. For the Blackhawks, and <laughs> oh, I was Jesus. Dying, you know, <laughs> I was dying too inside. <laughs> it was like, and, uh, Hey, do you want to perform for I, like, I really do. Oh man, it was so funny, but I really do appreciate the support and, uh, and the platform and, um, to speak honestly, and we should definitely, we should definitely plan something for, uh, for you know, for before the year starts and do something like that. That would be awesome for you anytime. I loved rooting against you. I loved rooting for you, <laughs> and now I love rooting for Chapter Five even harder. Uh, big fan, Daniel. Thank you so much for taking time to spend with us, and all the best to you and your family, and of course your baby son, Wolfie. So keep killing it, buddy. All right. Thanks, Gary. Thanks, thanks, Stuart. Daniel. Right, buddy. Appreciate it. Take care, bud. All right. If, if it's okay, I'd like to promote uh, your foundation. Oh, here we go. What? No, I'm just saying, well, what? Steve has a foundation that he's very shy about, doesn't really like to talk about it, but he likes to take comics that are in a very similar situation, like himself, yeah. not making a lot of money on the road, okay. struggling, living hand to mouth, sure. not being able to come up with the payments for rent. This sounds like mortgage. your career, not mine. And uh, if you want to check it out, uh, Steve's foundation is Chapter 11. <laughs> Gary, you have been waiting you know on that. You know what? For, and that was good. Uh, probably 15, 20. And, and that, that was, was good. good. Yeah. Please. <laughs> the Chapter 11 Foundation? Please. You awful. are in the middle of the, the, the interview. Before the interview okay. started, you're like, what is it that you're up to? Obviously, you're mad at me because things are going better for me than they are for you. So you're mad at me. Anyways. Out on me. Guys, go to Chapter5Foundation.com. If we uh, do this comedy show, that would be great because you'd have a gig later this year. So you okay. should try to push that. Um. Honestly, I, I would. You're not working. If you there. are a fan of professional sports, go to the Players Tribune and Google. Just Google Daniel Carcillo Players Tribune video. It's really revealing. I mean, the man had one of his good friends die. Uh, you know, post his career, and he took that as motivation to do something incredibly noble and try to prevent players from being in that situation again. And here he is. Starting from the ground up, like he said, you know, it's kind of amazing. You think about it. It's like, yeah, these kids in hockey, 
they're not whisked away by some college program. They go and play juniors up in Canada, and they live with other families at the age of 16. And then they start professionally playing on a minor league team. It's much different than like football here where, you know, you, you're great in high school and then you go to the University of Notre Dame and then you go to the NFL. Like them, they're plucked out of their homes at 15, 16. And, and here he is, you know, 31 years old, and he's starting this foundation on his own with no background in, in any of that, but he just did it because – his friend had passed away, I, and obviously seen, I think it's cathartic as well. I've young blood, Steve. I know how the business works. <laughs> okay. All right. Do you think people would show up to your funeral? Gary, that's kind of a weird... why the fuck would you... That's horrible. Why no, would you say not, that? Jesus I mean, Christ. I, I would be there. Oh, God. <laughs> Anyways. Steve. Uh, I want to thank Daniel Carcillo for calling in Yeah, today. he's great. Unbelievable. Yep. And uh, I, I think, again, it's, it's one of those things where if you're a fan of professional sports, I obviously am a fan of hockey, to... Talk to these guys and peel back the curtain and hear what they go through. Uh, I think it's uh, fascinating. I'd appreciate, I definitely appreciate him taking the time. So, uh, we got to play this to take us out because this is any Chicago Blackhawks fan would know this song. This is what they play Mickey, every time. Tony Basil? No, every time that they score a goal, this is what's played. So, Gary, what do you have coming up? Whatever you have coming up. Exactly, you piece <laughs> of shit. Um, I'll be at Denver Comedy Works this Oh, I this got weekend. bumped off of that one. You got bumped off of yeah, that one. Yep. Uh, then we go to San Fran. You got no pull in that city. The punchline. Aren't you coming with me? Yep. Yeah. And then Stand Up Live in Phoenix. Stand Up Live in Phoenix. weekend after 4th of July. Absolutely, yeah. I and hope, then uh, your calendar is bare from there. You know. Thank you for listening. Don't bite the hand that feeds you. <laughs> at Canon Comedy, at Steve Byrne Live, the Gentleman's Dojo. Thank you.